Uh, and Mr. Richard Yeoman, uh, he is the president and CEO of uh, H2M Architects and Engineers, on with us on a monthly basis. And we appreciate that. And a very good morning to you, sir. Very good morning to you, Jay, also. A little chilly this morning. Uh, hopefully things are going well with you. Indeed, indeed. I'll tell you, uh, it is cold this morning. You got a lot of wind and everything else. Uh, you being a massive Jets fan, <laughs> yesterday the GM was over at the Combines in Indianapolis there, made a few comments, told Zach Wilson basically to take a hike, go find another team. Uh, but also what caught my eye was uh, this McCole Harbin had some interesting things to say in some podcast. He, of course, now with the Chief, was with the Jets. Not the greatest of things you might want to say when you were up for free agency. I don't know about teams who might want to take a – I shot with this guy after what he said yesterday against uh, some teammates and everything else. Uh, the Jets right now, you know, it's it's make a break for this team coming up for Joe Douglas and this crew there, Mr. Human. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny when, um, you know, I think it might have been during the Super Bowl when, when Woody was saying that, um, you know, geez, it would have been great if we had a backup quarterback this year, which was a major Zach indictment. Um, but now it's, it's going to be 2.0 with Aaron Rodgers, right? And and I think, you know, the, the players always show their true character when things are going bad, and I'm sure in the locker room it probably was not easy as the Jets had high expectations and fell way, way short. Um, but, you know, I, I think for all of us, like we we have to just completely turn the page if we're Jet fans and, and you know, put up chips on the table for Aaron Rodgers again. I mean, we have no other choice, frankly. You have no choice. I mean, what happened to Aaron Rodgers a few plays into the season against the Bills in, in last September, you have no choice. You have to move on. You just need the backup quarterback. You got to plug a couple of holes. Hopefully they will in the draft, make some decent choices, and uh, and we'll see what happens. But yeah. I think the Jets can certainly reload. Forget about this season and move on. That's what they have to do. Fix the offensive line, which is also key here. Uh, you got to you got to keep Rodgers healthy and on the field, uh, without question. Uh, so yeah. much going on. So much going on, Rich. As far as uh, as far as everything, February a very uh, very interesting month, uh, and uh, and obviously H two M involved in a very big way. So let's get into a, a couple of the, the aspects and everything else. Uh, talk to me about some of the uh, the schools involved here. Gleason Hall, SUNY Farmingdale, a lot of renovations, a lot of modernization there. Give me a sense of what you've been yeah. busy with. It's, uh, it, it, it's, I appreciate bringing up this, this one. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, SUNY Farmingdale, I think, has been doing a, a great job of continuing to, to grow and, and evolve and, um, uh, you know, it, it, it's a great campus, great, great educational opportunity. I've visited a number of times, and students there are, are hungry to learn. And it's right down the block from our headquarters. So uh, when, when we had the opportunity to work with SUNY, um, they, you know, they were looking to upgrade Gleason Hall, the second largest building uh, on their campus. It, it's got a couple of... Uh, large lecture halls, and, um, and all the state buildings now need to comply with new energy code. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe not the sexiest kind of project, but, 
you know, massive upgrades of their HAC systems, you know, replacing windows in order to get, you know, greater thermal performance. Um, and, you know, th- this is, I-, I think, the kind of project that um, it, it, it really rides under the radar because it's not um, uh, the type of project that's a spotlight project, but it's critical. And it, and it shows the state recognizing the importance of um, investing in its, in its buildings and its infrastructure. So we were Happy to be working with them. We've been working for SUNY Farmdale for a lot of years, and and uh, I'm sure for a lot of years more. Yeah, uh, Gleason Hall, uh, folks, second largest academic building on the campus there. So uh, it's uh, well done over there, uh, and the completion date sometime this year, later on in the year. Uh, and yeah. then the other area of schools is Uniondale, right? The district there. So you got an elementary school uh, in play here. Uh, a lot of additions, renovations, a lot of site work. Uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, what's happening over there. Yeah, Uniondale School District, just uh, uh, a great district, a, a, a great client of ours. And, and I know we've got a team over here that is pretty much dedicated to to Uniondale. Uh, you know, they're, they're in the midst of... Um, you know, really going through projects that make up uh, almost a $160 million bond. And, and so this a project in particular at the California Avenue Elementary School, uh, you know, as, as the, the population in Uniondale is, is growing um, and they are introducing uh, pre-K as, as a program, they didn't have facilities for pre-K. Uh, so what they've decided to do was put a, a major expansion on the elementary school in order to accommodate, um, you know, young children that are, are, you know, age prior to, to kindergarten, that they could, they could come in, they could uh, start to learn and, and acclimate and, and socialize. Um, and it's, in, in my mind, when I was talking to our, to our group about some of the details on the project, um, very forward thinking, uh, you know, and, and, and I think school districts in general, recognize uh, the fact that if, if you could really start to prepare kids as early as you can to, um, you know, deal with maybe some, some more social issues or some fundamental learning issues and prepare them, uh, you know, to be able to really go into their academic career, even at a young age, um, you know, feeling like they, they have opportunity. Uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's really great for, for Uniondale and what they're doing. Uh, Nice project, large project, um, you know, multifunctional facilities in order to, you know, help these kids, um, uh, you know, develop early on as best they can. So really, really nice project for us. That's great stuff. And, you know, you think about it, uh, you have pre-K kids here. Guess what, folks? They didn't have the facilities. So H2M comes in there and saves the day, you know. So uh, (laughs) that's great stuff with all the additions and everything else. And you know what's even better? Uh, you go on the, on the budget too. I understand, right? Yeah. Uh, when you're on the budget by a large amount of money, over a million dollars, million and a half dollars or so, uh, that's a good thing too, sir. That is a good. Thing. I'm sure. I, I hope the school district is is happy with that. That's uh, <laughs> our, our goal is right uh, under schedule, under budget. If we if we can achieve that and and deliver for clients like Uniondale, then then we're doing our job. Great stuff, there, Rich Human, with us. You know. Lead is always a key issue, and, and I was reading regarding Hempstead, the town there, uh, in order to be in compliance there, how do you go about your business 
that is an important issue. It's been in the news a lot, lead and everything else going on there. you got to be in compliance. Uh, how do you fix that problem? Yeah, so, so um, it, it, and, and a town of Hempstead is really uh, very proactive and, and forward-looking. Uh, you know, so the, the U.S. EPA uh, in, in the early 90s had, had um, instituted the lead and copper rule, and, you know, essentially it, it required those um, municipalities and entities that provided public drinking water to make sure that the water was, was free of lead. Uh, and and for, for decades, you know, there was a strategy. So even though you could live in a community that is, is older and could have lead service lines going to your house, uh, the, the responsibility of the municipality to make sure that lead wasn't leaching um, was, was pretty well under control. I think Long Island Water Supplies has done a fantastic job uh, in, in this regard. But uh, the EPA just... Uh, uh, kind of enhance the, the the rule and the law. So now, what what is is required is municipalities to inventory all of their services. And you know, Town of Hempstead operates five water districts, so they've got uh, you know hundreds of thousands of, of service lines to, to people's houses. So their job now is to inventory all of those and identify what materials they're. They're constructed of, uh, so you know we've partnered with the town to you know, develop really a, a robust geographic information system GIS, and and what that does is it allows you to centralize all sorts of all sorts of records and, and information. So uh, you know working with them to go through all their old building permits for houses that are 50 years old and does it say what kind of uh, material and water services is constructed of. Um, and they, they've got a, uh, an October 2024, I believe, um, target date where yeah. they've got their, their inventory done. Um, and they, they really got themselves ahead of it. It's, it's a huge undertaking for the town. And, uh, you know, we're just, you know, we're, we're glad to be able to, to help them through this because it's, uh, it, it's, it's a big, big lift to, to inventory all this information. No doubt. Very important stuff going on over there in town in the town of Hempstead. Uh, an important uh, situation to take care of, without question. Now, with all that's yeah. going on, um, there is still a lot of causes out there. I know you believe in them in a big way. Uh, I saw on the calendar in the next week or so uh, the cycles for survival for Sloan Kettering. Uh, you've raised a lot of money for the uh, cancer hospital. It's a lot of dollars for that organization. Uh, a yeah. lot of folks are touched by cancer. We know it's awful. Uh, give me a sense there what's happening. I think it's March 9th, right? Yeah, yeah, March 9th, and we'll be at, uh, uh, you know, Bryant Park, the Equinox at, at Bryant Park. Uh, they, you know, we, we've been supporting, you know, this event for probably the last five or six years, and, um, you know, you, you get a team together, you, you buy a bike, uh, you raise money, and then you spend four hours, um, uh, you know, cycling with these most intense instructors, and Jack, like I go every year, and I'll be going on on the ninth, um, and and uh, I am reminded how out of shape I am. <laughs> these people that cycle as part as their training, it's just like I run, but there's no way I'm I'm cycle fit, uh, and. Uh, 
once you start, like the energy is there, the music's pumping. All of a sudden, four hours goes by. You want to die, but yeah. uh, you're you're exhausted. But it's 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 a great event, and the uh, you know they they uh, they always have they have doctors come out to talk about cutting edge um, research and 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 treatment development, and you know people that have been um, affected by cancer and and supported by Memorial Sloan Kettering. They tell their story, so it's. Um, it's 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 sad. It's heartwarming. It's motivating. It's really so. The physical toll is big, but the emotional toll is also kind of big when you do it. But we love it, uh, and and we're big supporters of of Morris Sloan Kettering. Great stuff. Uh, yeah, and, uh, I'm probably like you. You know, I'm a runner. I, I mean, I run once a week. With my daughter, we we run on Sundays, four or five miles. But uh, when it comes to the bikes, I don't know. I, I would probably uh, peter out at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it's amazing. You know, when I talk, I got friends of mine who are bike or bikers, and uh, and they love it. But you know, it's interesting. Those who can like go 10, 15, 20 miles on a bike can't jog. So there's got to be something to it as far as you know, getting in particular shape for whatever you're doing there. So interesting. Uh, yeah, also, yeah. all good. Yeah, it's yeah. all good. No question. That's a great thing there. Uh, you got a big meeting coming up on the eighth. You got another one on the eleventh. You're going to talk about expectations for the year and everything else, the outlook. Um, very important stuff. Very important stuff. You got a lot of events coming into play. Uh, yeah. What do you What do you think the focus on will be uh, when you give your dissertation there? Yeah, yeah. So it's um, uh, you know each year we do what what we have have uh, coined our all hands meeting. Uh, so it's you know, all hands on deck, and every employee needs to come, and, and I get to uh, give the the state of the company for for everybody. Uh, and I'm 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 pretty transparent in these meetings, and and I, I think uh, you know other business leaders might might you know be a little nervous if, if they were going to be this open, but uh, I'm really open with with the employees, and I talk about you know, the, the past year, what went really well, where we struggled, um, what my expectations are of the staff, uh, you know, where we are seeing improvements and, and capitalizing on opportunities. So, uh, and it's, it's, um, it's, it's kind of reflective of how I feel. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the last couple of years during the pandemic, you know, I, I, I tried to be optimistic, but it wasn't easy because business was, was just a bit of a challenge. Uh, but, 2023, uh, in my mind, ended up being a, a, like a rebound year, uh, and and I feel like going into into this year, it's it's back to what it was like in in 2018 and 2019, where things were really uh, you know hit on all cylinders. So um, you know that that my message is going to be you know optimism uh, for sure, growth opportunities. You know, we we're, we're launching our our first. Uh, you know, boots on the ground, staff, office in Florida, and I know everybody in the company is excited about that because for a company like ours, where we've been solely focused in the Northeast to take a, a, a strong leap, um, and what I believe is going to be a, a really successful leap, you know, into a region like Florida, it kind of jacks everybody up, you know, because they see, you know, new things and, and exciting things happening uh, for, for the organization, and they want to participate, so... Um, you know, it's it's. I love it. It's it's. Uh, I think an hour and a half well spent with me just talking to the 
of the employees here, and, and I do it in Melville on Friday the 8th, and then I go to Northern Jersey so our other offices can congregate, and, and I do the meeting again there. Uh, I, I, I get a little cross when I'm done because it's, uh, I put a lot of energy into it, but I, I, I'm pretty sure you know, all the people here really appreciate and, and enjoy it. Well, listen, uh, I think it's important for leaders to get up there and lay it out, good or bad, and expectations are key, right? Uh, this way, I think it's important for everybody to know their goals. You yeah. know, once you have your goals, once you have the your leader's uh, expectations in play, what he expects, what he hopes to achieve, uh, I think it's, it's important for everybody to comprehend that. This way, everybody's on the same page. Uh, it's done right by you guys. You always do it right, you know? Uh, and, uh, and I think once that is out there, uh, then there are hardly any questions, right? Because everybody yeah. knows what, what goes on and, and what's to expect. Yeah. It, it, it really, it helps us solidify the culture here. Yeah. Everything you just said, I, I, the observations are right on because, um, you know, if you want people to behave a certain way, it's, it's your responsibility to set the tone, set the culture for that. And this is a nice opportunity for me to do it. I, I don't normally get to speak directly to everybody. Uh, so the fact that I get this chance to speak to everybody directly, um, that's, that's, I think, the biggest opportunity for me. Yeah, no doubt about it. Very important stuff. Uh, Rich, I'm going to ask you to stand by. We're going to just take a quick traffic check. Uh, only break the segment, and uh, we'll set the folks straight there. we got a lot to cover as far as some of the projects in and around. We'll go around the island, as we always do. Uh, with the great president and CEO of H2M, ladies and gentlemen, H2M Architects and Engineers. You stand by, sir. Uh, Jake, take it away. The latest of travel, our roads and rails story, and that was Cindy Wakeman. We're looking at delays if you're traveling on Sagdico's Parkway North, getting into G Street in Brentwood. It's a breakdown on the shoulder, back up to the Southern State Parkway. Sunrise Highway West at Straight Path with a crash. One lane's closed. LIE West exit 56 on-ramp is partially blocked up because of a truck with a fuel leak over by Wheeler Road. And Long Island Railroad is on or close to schedule. This report is sponsored by the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. The Crohn's and Colitis Foundation has been at the forefront of inflammatory bowel disease research and care for over 50 years. Learn more about research, education, and support at Crohn'sColitisFoundation.org. With your Long Island traffic, I'm Cindy Waitman. Right, nearly 25 past, folks. Uh, still holding at 29. Uh, here at MacArthur, we'll go to 42. We got wind out there. Makes it feel colder. Uh, but right now, it, oh, excuse me, 30 degrees. 30. 30 degrees and uh, still 29 mile an hour gusts, making it feel like 19. So bundle it up out there. We got a Rod Tanner with the latest. More of Rich Human coming up. From the LI News Radio Weather Center for the final day of February, we'll have mostly sunny, windy conditions. Our high 37 is winds gust to 35 miles an hour. Tonight should be clear. High low 25. We'll have winds to about 15 miles an hour. We'll wrap up the week Friday with sunshine at a high 43. There's a chance for shower activity Friday night. It'll be partly cloudy as temperatures rise to about 40 by dawn. Then Saturday will kick off the weekend with rain, mostly cloudy skies at a high 50. There's a chance for shower activity Sunday. We'll have a cloudy day with a high 52. Monday again, there's a chance for showers. It'll be cloudy with a high 51. From the LI News Weather Center, I'm Rod Tanner. Hey, Lisa, I've been seeing those pics you post of you and your family at all those fun events. What gives? Oh, Vet Ticks. What's Vet Ticks? 
VetTix is an amazing charity that gives free event tickets like concerts, sporting events, and shows to currently serving military vets and their families and to the immediate families of troops killed in action. We have extra tickets sometimes. Can I donate them? Yes. Just go to VetTix.org. You can give your extra tickets and other vets like me can sign up to get them. What a great way to give back. And listen, thank you for your service. 103.9 LI News Radio. News Radio. Your station for local news and information. All right, we're back, ladies and gentlemen, with Rich Human. He is the president and CEO of uh, the great uh, H2M Architects and Engineers, leading firm of its kind. We talk about it all the time. Uh, 90 years plus in business, incredible as it sounds, but uh, certainly one of the more longstanding companies ever. Um, you know, besides covering a lot of the events that you're participating in uh, and some of the projects, it's time to go around the island and see where we are at. You know, Rich, Las Vegas Sands is driving me crazy. You know, you don't know which <laughs> direction this thing is going in. And, of course, uh, the latest of fiascos, it seems, happens to be that of Elise. You know, we had this this judge, what was it, last week, uh, that said uh, Vegas Sands lacks about Elise to operate the Coliseum and the land around it. You know, it's, a, it's another setback. To develop this uh, this resort and casino there, my goodness, you know, you wonder if it will ever come to fruition now. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I, I clearly we're not we're not privy to all the behind the scenes stuff, yeah. um, and I, I I would I would hope that um, uh, the the things that have been you know, at least at least publicly expressed as, as obstacles are are being worked on. Um, you know, and, and this you know this issue goes back to kind of the original um, decision that was brought down about um, the process, the yeah. the approval process, the legislative process. So it's all interconnected, um, and it, it's something that you know Nassau County is 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 going to have to work out. Uh, so whatever the the um, the reasoning is that uh, you know they, they they're not operating under you know uh, a current lease with the county is um, I'm going to assume process and procedure because uh, I, I haven't heard anything else uh, than that but um, uh, you know the the it is too important you know I know you and I've been talking about it for for, for months and mm-hmm. it, it's a huge opportunity um, to to redevelop. At, at the Coliseum and the NASA hub. So, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's hope that things we don't know are still moving everything in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, and certainly another win for Hofstra and their ongoing dispute here uh, with Sands and the Coliseum and everything else in Nassau County. My goodness. Uh, it is a an absolute uh, free-for-all. Um, talk to me a little bit about the development of uh, that Belmont area. Uh, the track and everything else. Obviously, it's not going to be a Belmont Stakes that's going up uh, to the Saratoga area. We'll get it back next year. But uh, how is uh, how is uh, some of the construction going on in and around there right now? Yeah, you know, I, I think the state is is uh, is really doing a great job. Um, and and what's uh, I think again so opportunistic for us as a region is. Um, the UBS arena is so state of the art, and people love it. Uh, it, it really exposed um, kind of the age and and the, the datedness of 
of the racetrack. Um, so I think the expectation should be with, with all of the, the uh, upgrades and, and uh, improvements that are, are planned for the track, it's, it's significant. It's, it's a huge investment that the state is making in the track. Uh, right. And, you know, as you said, Belmont Stakes this year is going to be up in Saratoga. So, you know, their goal is to have it back in, in 2025. Uh, so there's, I know a lot of work to do. You know, we're doing stuff over there, and it, they've kind of they've got everybody over there, uh, you know, doing you know their piece of, of expertise in order to, to really help the project move. And you know, our role has been um, to deal with all the existing environmental issues of you know asbestos and lead, and you know, contractors can't go and, and start doing improvement work until you know all the facilities have kind of an all clear. You know, and you can go in, and there's no you know, potential exposure concern for anybody. And so we're, we've been kind of in ground floor on this thing. Uh, so I know our, our group over here has a really good sense of how it's going. And, and my understanding is that there's a lot of work to be done, but the state is really focused on it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, what about the, the hub, the, the Nassau hub and, and the uh, surrounding area? Obviously, we talked about the Coliseum. A lot happens with that. Uh, with the resort casino deal, but uh, what about the surrounding area to make sure that retail is in place and hotels and offices and and all that, uh, all the bells and whistles uh, surrounding area there? Uh, where are we at with that whole thing? Uh, yeah, so that's um, it's, it's a, a, another great opportunity, I, I think, for us. But um, you know, the, the the town really is um, uh, a, an important. Uh, leader and, and stakeholder in this um, because the zoning needs to be set to, to, to redevelop around the Coliseum. Uh, and, you know, as developers come in uh, and, and they present opportunities. So as, as uh, you know, the, the fans came in with a proposed development and, uh, you know, NYU was looking to do some work over there also. Um, <laughs> the town has, and it, it's a, it's a, it's a, a challenging but kind of critical role in here is that, um, you know, you, you can't approve a development um, without the town having the appropriate zoning set. So I know that they're um, involved in this, and, and I know that they're also um, they're trying to make sure that they are, are um, positioned uh, the, the way that they would need to be, and, and there are certain steps that need to happen before the town can take action. Um, uh, but you know the I, I think the the best piece of it is that uh, the the recognition of the need to you know grow and redevelop is is well understood I think and, and recognized by uh, you know our, our government leadership and that's uh, I think that's really important so in the end I think everybody knows that redevelopment needs to happen there uh, but it's going to be it's going to be a, a process you know it's it's a you're talking about you know, billions of dollars in, in redevelopment and, uh, you know, the yeah. town, not only does the town have a responsibility for um, making sure that it, there's opportunity in the redevelopment, but, you know, recognizing whatever the the relative impacts are, you know, to, to the community need to be addressed. And so the town has a really critical role in this. So even though, you know, they're not the property owner, uh, you know, they're the one who, uh, you know, really needs to set the tone for, you know, what the, the zoning opportunities are going to be around the hub. Yeah, important stuff. 
uh, without a question, that neck of the woods. Uh, when you think about Belmont, um, that whole region, folks, up to the Coliseum and surrounding area now. Uh, fast forward 10, 15 years, it'll, it'll look like another region. It really will. Uh, a lot of improvement going on. Now, especially out in Suffolk County, you know, you go back to January, where I remember the FAA kind of gave the green light, Rich, right to Midway, Midway Crossing, the convention center, the proposal, Ron Conkham, the whole thing, really kind of cleared a path uh, for Islip and Suffolk to kind of move forward with everything there. Uh, has anything changed in that regard, or all systems go, you think, here? Yeah, I, I think uh, a, key, a key piece of this, and, and again, I, I, similar to what we just talked about with the NASA hub, yeah. uh, all the stakeholders understand that there's a lot of opportunity uh, out in, in Ronkonkoma and, and connecting you know, the, the, air, the airport terminal to the railroad and, and having a, a, a really a community, uh, you know, so whether it's, uh, you know, we, we know that on the north side, uh, the community that uh, TriTech is creating is um, transformational uh, and making sure that it's complemented on the south side is, um, is really what's in the works right now. And, and you know, with a, a new county executive, uh, you know, I, I know that uh, he's he's supportive of the development. Um, yeah, but he's coming in uh, pretty fresh, you know, and and uh, uh, so I'm sure he's gonna he's gonna meet and listen to people to understand, mm. uh, you know, what the greatest potential is and what the greatest opportunities are, and I'm sure continue to work with the developers out there who, uh, you know, the county gave the go-ahead to, to do the, the midway redevelopment. Um, and so I, I would expect that, uh, you know, things are moving forward uh, and any, you know, kind of adjusting or tweaking needs to be done because um, you might have uh, some new ideas and new perspectives need to weave their way into what the ultimate redevelopment plan is going to be. So I, I think it's still being worked on. Uh but I know that it. I know steps are moving forward. Yep, uh, no doubt. As long as it doesn't interfere, and the FAA and everything else gives clearance as far as airport activities, uh, I think everything will be in great shape. You mentioned the new county executive, Ed Romaine, uh, the re-election of Angie Carvin to continue her great leadership in that neck of the woods. Uh, I think it's a very positive sign. Uh, very positive sign, right? For for all to yeah. occur there. Uh, so we'll see what happens here. Um, moving east, a lot of good things happening with Gabreski and the surrounding areas out in the West Hampton area, huh? Yeah, yeah. The the uh, uh, <laughs> when when it seems that Jay, whenever you and I talk, we talk about sewers. At some point, we end up talking about sewers. How important sewers are? Who would have thought? Sewer I'm- talk here on the morning show. Sewer talk, everybody. You know, keep your coffee down. Sewer talk. Uh, you know the uh, it's it, it's clear. You know that there are are um, you know lots of opportunities and the municipalities that have embraced the uh, you know the, the opportunity that's created by sewer infrastructure. Um, you know, out of Cabreski, West Hampton Beach, and and a number of the communities. Uh, you know, out towards the east and of Long Island are um, you know they're 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 seeing uh, opportunities just open up in front of them and. Um, you know, people who who understand that there's and it's, it's a significant investment to make. Whether it's it's uh, you know 
just collecting or, or treating uh, wastewater and, you know, the, the need to be able to protect the environment and also to, to stimulate some, some economic development, uh, I think is a, is a huge opportunity. And it's, it's, it's really just the tip of the spear right now. And, uh, you know, we, <laughs> I was joking with somebody, yeah, we always talk about the village of Patchogue, and, mm-hmm. and uh, we refer to the, to the mayor and, the, and his vision and the great work they did. Um, yeah, but his vision started a long time ago. We, we need to be talking about, you know, the more recent communities that have really embraced, uh, you know, the, the, the benefit of, of wastewater infrastructure. And uh, I, I know for us, we see it clearly out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, in, in, in the coming years, I think all municipalities are going to see how much benefit there is. Uh, so the, the recognition is there. It, it's going to be about funding. Uh, you know, municipalities are not going to be able to carry the full burden of um, what it takes to, to invest in, especially if there's no sewer system there now or if it's uh, an outdated sewer system. So federal dollars are still going to be needed. State dollars are still going to be needed. And, and local governments are going to have to continue to partner with the feds and the state in order to be able to finance um, you know, really significant wastewater work. And, you know, the sewers are important. And, you know, listen, sewers, sewers, we know exactly the discussion and everything else, but, I mean, they're vital. I mean, if Main Street's going to operate properly, right, Rich? I mean, uh, we talk yeah. about it all the time. You've you got to have them in place. Business have to operate the proper way. Yes, jobs will be created, uh, but if you don't get these lines hooked up, and uh, let's face it, uh, Long Island's been behind a little bit in the eight ball regarding that over the years. But they're catching up. We've seen communities kind of come together. Uh, Islip being one, Bayshore comes to mind. I mean, listen, it's very important. Very important for these things to be in play, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it, it, I think it shows a lot um, when, you know, when we were, were growing and developing in the, in the 50s and the 60s. And, you know, you're talking about, you know, communities that are 50, 60 years old, um, that maybe at one time didn't really need to, to, to worry about this at all. But, um, you know, if, if, you know, the old saying is if you're not growing, you're dying. Uh, and, you know, communities that are, are committed to evolving and growing are going to thrive. And communities that are going to try to stay status quo at some point, you know, maybe not now, but, you know, they're going to just fall behind. Uh, and uh, especially as it relates to, uh, you know, creating job opportunities, creating housing opportunities. We, we know that housing is um, still, uh, uh, it, it's a major, major hurdle. It might be the most important hurdle for us right now yeah. as a re- uh, is, you know, housing and affordability. So, you know, this really goes a long way to support that. No doubt. No question about it. Uh, talking uh, with Mr. Richard Human of H2M uh, Architects and Engineers. You know, Rick, I want to back, Rich, I want to backtrack a little bit. Because um, I know there was a poll out uh, regarding how some of the Long Island executives are, you know, maybe a little slow to embrace what's going on with AI right now, artificial intelligence. Uh, despite six and ten, I was reading that said it would benefit their business or nonprofit. It's a new poll that came out. Um, I know that you've been involved with this type of stuff and everything else. Uh, it's a very important topic, and it needs to be spoken about because uh, as we move on in years, this will become even more prominent, right? So uh, 
artificial intelligence uh, especially. And a company of yours, there's complacency and everything else, and I know you've sounded off accordingly here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, I, I think for, for all the, I mean, society in general, but, but definitely, you know, for businesses, um, there is a lot of opportunity with artificial intelligence. And I think industry by industry needs to, to, to strongly reflect on what the opportunities are and define the opportunities for their business. Artificial intelligence is, is it's so broad, uh, and because it's so broad, it could easily be uh, overwhelming for people that don't know, you know, so how can I use it, or if I don't embrace it right now, I'm going to fall behind on my competitors because they're probably embracing it, um, and if there's a, a lack of diligence, a thoughtfulness about the risk to yeah. your business, you know, you could really put yourself in a, in a precarious position. So, you know, here what we've done is, is commissioned an internal team that includes our, our IT leadership and a lot of our technical leaders here to really match our business strategies with what's available, at least today, in, in artificial intelligence. And how do, you, how do you leverage it and how do you mitigate the risk? And, and one of the things you said about the complacency piece, uh, you know, in, in our company, we've been using essentially computer-aided design for a lot of years. And, and we have some disciplines here where, you know, yes, you could, you could hand-calculate all the steel members in a 10-story building, or you can put your design parameters into a, a software program and the computer system sizes everything for you. That's artificial intelligence. That's the computer doing what people could do, um, but they do it obviously a lot quicker and faster and, and more efficient. Um, but then your job as a design professional is to take the output and review it and validate it and confirm it. So the complacency piece is if we just start accepting what AI tells us or what our computer software platforms tell us and don't validate and, and confirm, uh, there's, we're, we're going to run ourselves into, into trouble. It, it, yeah. It's going to happen. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I kind of forewarn my team here that, you know, I don't want to be overly excited about the opportunities. I want, I want balance. I want to understand the opportunities, but at the same time, let me know what the risks are. Uh, and, and then we can hopefully make some better business decisions. But to your point, it's clearly emerging. It's significant. It's, it's, it's going to change. It's going to change our lives more. It's going to change the way we do business more. Uh, and we need to be, you know, as, in front and engaging in AI as we possibly can. No, I agree. I think you got to embrace it. I think you got to be careful. Uh, I think uh, uh, when you are uh, pretty much banking on uh, complete support via computer, I think it's uh, that's a tough one. It really is. That's a tough one. Uh, my biggest thing is the human element. Human element will always be present, right? Uh, and it needs to be present because I think there's something special about that. I think when we lose that focus – uh, that's when it can become a little dicey there. So I think if we're too much on the computer aspect of things, um, I think I think we lose a lot in more ways than than one. You know, uh, I'm to totally on board, and and, uh, and I feel I feel for people because um, you know ChatGPT is the easiest example of it, and um, you know we've. I know I've personally played around with ChatGPT, and and um, 
you know, write me a business plan for X. And if I said that, um, you know, I, I wanted to open up a, an office in Boise, Idaho, and this is what I want to do there, write me a business plan, JetGPT would spit me out a six-page business plan. And it's, it's unbelievable. Um, it, it reads great, um, but I can't just go ahead and take that and go to my board and say, okay, here's our business plan for Boise, Idaho. And, and but that's, you know, there's, there's an allure to wanting to just take advantage of the, the, the like broad wherewithal that things like ChatGPT can provide. And, and I just, I, I'm, I'm cautious. Yeah, you have to be, no question. Rich Human with us. A couple of minutes remain. Um, you got a new regime, a lot of uh, political turnover. Uh, Rich, uh, I know you know Ed Romaine well. Uh, you know, give me a sense as far as being on the same page, visions and everything else. Uh, you know, you don't want to lose momentum in some areas. Others you'll gain. Uh, are you pretty much okay with things as they look now and uh, some of the mindset as far as going forward here? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And uh, what what's... Um what I've really loved, uh, and, and, I, and I think, you know, all of us that, you know, live here love when, uh, you know, our elected officials say they're going to do something and then they do what they say they're going to do. And uh, he clearly, in my mind, is somebody who is going to do what he said he was going to do. Um, he's committed to the environment, and I've, I've been involved in, in a number of conversations about the things that he sees as priorities for Suffolk County for protection of the environment. Uh, he's, he's, he's committed to sewers. He's committed to clean drinking water. He's committed to economic development. Um, he's, he's very open. He'll, he'll uh, at least from my kind of limited uh, exposure with him, and he'll have a conversation with you about pretty much anything. Um, and if it's a good idea, he wants to go ahead and set a good idea. Uh, if it's something that he believes he could get behind and, and potentially implement, he will have conversations with the right people to figure out how to how to move the ball forward there. So, um, I mean, it, it, all the signs are good. Uh, and, and I think that as um, you know, we continue to see, you know, the, the economy improving and, and hopefully continued funding opportunities, I think Suffolk County really has uh, a, 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 a bright future. Uh, and I think Ed's going to do a great job in, in shepherding the county forward. I, I agree. And if ever there was one guy to kind of take the reins, it's Ed. You know, with the 40-plus years in the business uh, of being a leader, uh, he'll know what to do here to get this county back on track. I think uh, I think people are in agreement with that, with the experience uh, and everything else, the know-how. I think people are very comfortable and are very confident as far as what Ed Romaine uh, will bring to the table here. So, uh that is a good thing. The question, sir, though, is are you confident in the New York Mets? <laughs> you like that segue, huh? Uh, because, you know, you got baseball. I know you're originally a huge Mets, huge Jets fan. We always like to throw a little in. Uh, but, you know, you got you got a very interesting team here. They missed out on a couple of folks in free agency. You got Pete Alonzo dangling out there still, whether they sign him, re-sign him or, or what the future is like there. But, uh, you know, the Mets could have one of those seasons. You know, I always, I always found it interesting in sports. When you don't have a lot of belief in a particular team, all of a sudden they come uh, and, uh, and just smash through expectations uh, and everything else. 
But uh, are you confident in your baseball team coming up in a month or so? I am not too confident yet. I I fall into the bucket that you just described. I don't I don't have high expectations. You know, last year was a really it was just a disappointing year last year. Uh, and you know, yes, they've made you know some moves, and I completely agree with you with um, um, Alonzo hanging out there. But uh, and I, you know, I look at it two ways. You know, maybe. Um, he could he could have a strong year. That would be great. Um, he'll have a home run, stay healthy, and then the the Mets need to sign him uh, and and not be outbid for him. And that's where the 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 owner capacity comes into play. And uh, you know, but we've seen. I mean, we we've, we've had. I have no idea what we paid in luxury tax. I say, wait, <laughs> what he paid in luxury tax? Uh, I, <laughs> I, I don't know how many tens of millions of dollars it was, but. I guess it's no problem for him, but it didn't translate into anything. So I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be a wait and see. Uh, I'm gonna hope that we're competitive as we get into the middle of the summer. If we are, I'll be happy. Uh, I'm probably more optimistic about what the Yankees are gonna do than what the Mets are gonna do. So good for you. Uh, but you know, I, I'm I'm gonna be cautious, man. That's all I can tell you. You know, it's interesting for some reason I, I can't figure it out with me. Uh, my juices are not going as far as getting ready for baseball. Usually I'd be excited, spring training, pitches, catches, you know, all that's come and gone. And they play preseason games already. I just can't get into it yet. Now, I'm trying to think, okay, so where am I at now? I was knee-deep in football. That's gone. The Islanders are, eh, probably hit a miss here with the playoffs, probably in the missing end of things. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting ready for college basketball. You know what it is? I, I'm just, uh, I guess I'm, I'm involved with other things, and I, and I just haven't gotten into baseball. I'm a little complacent regarding baseball. Are you that way now, or are you, are you, uh, you know, really anticipating here? No, I'm, I'm, I'm in your camp on that. It's, it's interesting that you say it and describe it the way you did, because I feel the same way, and I'm waiting for the Mets to put a hook in me, and they haven't done it yet. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm, I've, I've, look, we're, uh, We've been around for a long time, and and uh, I'm not I'm not chasing my team. My team's got to chase me, and and that's how I feel. Uh, you brought up the Islanders. I was hopeful. You know, I'm I'm, I'm married to a, a a crazy Ranger fan, so that makes my household a little difficult right now. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, the, the the Rangers are like flying, and the Islanders they're, they take two steps forward, then they take two steps back. Yeah, no, it's tough. It really is. You know, and you know, with baseball, I guess a lot has to do with the fact that you know you had the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks in the World Series, so that yeah. they, they kind of lost me with that whole thing. And of course, you know, my team just didn't have a chance—only two games above five hundred. Mets had a tough year too. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's part of it because you know we always expect things to change and whatnot. I, I think it's kind of a wait and see approach. Uh, without question, I think once the season gets underway, I'll get, uh, I'll get jazzed up a little bit, you know? Uh, but in essence, uh, it's kind of a wait and see for me. So, uh, we'll see what happens. Well, listen, uh, you got a lot in your plate, my friend. And, uh, and quite frankly, you will attack it as you always do. But, you know, just to kind of sum up, 
Uh, you're getting ready for a heck of a year, a lot on the line and everything else. You're going to be involved, already involved with a lot of projects. But you are uh, pretty much uh, being very optimistic as far as the goings-on. You like the way the county's doing its thing. And uh, in that regard, you feel pretty good too, huh? I do. I do. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to, to this year. You know, so far, signs are good. Um, and if, uh, you know, if the economy can continue to cooperate with us, I, I think um, everybody should be able to experience uh, a nice 2024. So that's what I am hoping for. I'm hoping that for you, Jay, and I'm hoping that for, uh, I guess, everybody's listening to us. All righty. Well, listen, we look forward to many a conversation with you throughout the year. We look forward to to talking with you again as we turn the page tomorrow and we get into March, hard to believe. But uh, we will talk to you uh, next month, my friend. And uh, you stay well and enjoy the rest of February. How's that? (laughs) We got a day to go, my friend. Sounds good. Have a good day.